Now getting you set for everything Cardinals. In his second game as a Cardinal. Three home runs. This is the Redbird Report Show with Danny Mac. Out there. On 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com. Welcome into the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Great show lined up for you. Cardinals Hall of Famer Jim Edmonds, Mark Saxon, baseball writer for The Athletic, and we'll also hear from Colton Wong, who was a guest this past week on the Fast Lane on 101. Even though there aren't games, there's still plenty of news to get into. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, One of the faces of the fight against the coronavirus says the only way pro sports will happen this summer is by holding events without fans in attendance and by keeping players in hotels. Fauci was a guest of Snapchat's Peter Henby. There's a way of doing that. Nobody comes to the stadium. Put them in big hotels, you know, wherever you want to play. Keep them very well surveilled, namely a a surveillance, but have them tested like every week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play the season out. I mean, people say, well, you know, you, you, you can't play without spectators. Well, I think you'd probably get enough buy-in from people who are dying to see a baseball game. Well, we're seeing so many ideas floating around regarding the upcoming year. Arizona and Florida spring training ballparks, housing games, home major league ballparks at the end of the season, maybe even a start in Japan. All of this highlights one thing. The ideas, the scenarios, they keep on coming. Major League Baseball wants to start the 2020 season as soon as possible. That's not a secret potentially a $4 billion loss to the shutdown thus far, and getting back in action for some is sorely needed revenue, and that is a top priority. Jeff Passan of ESPN was a guest a couple of days ago for the network. As we look to the return, the potential return of Major League Baseball as soon as possible, which of course everybody wants, we've been talking about the idea of establishing a bubble city to play the games. What are the hurdles they're dealing with right now to try and put that plan in place? Well, the hurdles from the start, Greeny, have been enormous. But right now, Major League Baseball is being exceedingly judicious about how it tries to roll out a plan. They're talking with epidemiologists. They're talking with scientists. They're talking with people from whom they can get the medical information straight. Once they have that figured out, they can take the financial plan and what all of this is going to cost and bring it to ownership. And if ownership is on board with it, at that point, it goes to the players. That's the big question here because the financial element ties in directly with the players. Remember, a couple weeks ago, MLB and the Players Association came to an agreement on a deal But that deal also has a little caveat written in saying, hey, if we don't play in front of fans, the finances change and we may need you to take a haircut off the salary that we have promised you prorated. And so that's where the big snag could wind up. But I have trouble thinking that the players and the owners are going to really get into it about salary and that this is the kind of thing that could scuttle a season beginning. Quickly, Jeff, I heard Mike Trout and I'm sure many other fans heard him. He was very vocal this week talking about quarantining away from his family does not sound like he wants to do that he's the best player in the sport how important is it that he had those comments i think it's important just for discourse greeny like 
These are the issues that players should be talking about. And for every Mike Trout out there, there's a player from the Dominican Republic who leaves his family behind for eight months out of the year. You have all of these different perspectives. And we have to remember, as prevalent as Mike Trout's voice is, there are 1,200 players in the MLBPA. There are 1,200 opinions, 1,200 voices. And all of those over the coming weeks are certain to be heard. Because if they're going to play, this looks like the likeliest path, and they have to figure out how to make sure everybody, or at least as close to everybody as possible, is happy with what they have. There are various reactions in the sport as to what to do. Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals was a guest on MLB Radio. My biggest concern is that we get things going before we have an incredible plan, before we have a great system, and we would have to reshut it down again. If you have to shut it down again, you might as well just play for next year because uh, it wouldn't work. If you had to shut it down again, the world would go into panic and man, it would just be a horrible thing. So take a couple extra weeks, which I think our uh, union and, and major league baseball is doing a good job of right now is trying to figure out exactly what is the best plan. The best plan from my point of view is to not take me away from my family for four months and have me quarantined away from them. I can tell you that that is, you're going to have a lot of, of, uh, of uninterested players, when they hear that their families are not to be involved. I mean, you know, we're all quarantined now. What's the difference if we're all quarantined there, quarantined with our families there? And I mean, it's not like we're going to go out shopping at the mall and shaking everybody's hand. You know, I think there's a way to have families involved and and do it. I I would love to see at least baseball to get back on TV for our fans. I know our fans want to go and visit the games and be a part of that atmosphere. And we want them there too. It's super hard to play baseball games with nobody in the stands. I tried that in the minor leagues for years and it stinks. It's so much better when there's a full crowd and and you can smell those cooking onions and you can smell the nachos and the hot dogs and you know people are excited in, in the different atmospheres and the different stadiums are what make each one unique. So uh, there's a lot of stuff um, that that would be great if all the fans could get in there. But we let's just please make sure we don't botch it so that we have to shut it down again. Longtime Major League pitcher Jerry Blevins was also a guest on MLB Radio. I, I'm okay with kind of any concept, to be honest. Like whatever, whatever allows us to to play baseball. Um, I think the country would really appreciate it. Um, you know, as long as we're not putting anybody in jeopardy, and as, as long as we're not taking you know much needed medical medical supplies away from people that truly need it in the front line. I'm all for playing baseball, however we have to do it. I think it's I think it's a it'd be a very positive thing for us in you know in these trying times. So a lot of opinions on what to do. The news though keeps on coming. The Memphis Redbirds, the AAA affiliate of the St. Louis Cardinals, confirmed layoffs and employee furloughs. All in all, 18 full-time employees were laid off last Friday, with other full-time employees furloughed in the meantime. It's a suspended season, no start date in sight. And that's another aspect of this. Minor League Baseball, will there be a minor league season? Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. It doesn't look all that great right now. I mean, and we don't know yet what scenario Major League Baseball will will undertake with their rosters. We know that once they get the go-ahead to reassemble, they're going to want to rush through spring training number two as fast as they possibly can. And that means pitchers won't be as ready, so they'll have to have larger rosters. The question is how large? You know, we know they're going to be 26. Could they be 29 like we heard rumors before? Could they bring in all 40 men on the 40-man roster? You know, could they make adjustments to the 40-man roster, say to put a guy like Dylan Carlson on a 40-man? 
But if you do that, if you've got 40 guys in major league camp and it's a shortened season, you know, you're going to be well insulated for any, from any injuries. You're not going to need to call guys up. But the other side of the argument says, hey, if you can get players to come back to a spring training facility where things are under control, why couldn't you also have some minor leaguers come in and they could play on the backfields? But the key point is minor league baseball as we know it is games being played in 160 different locations across the U.S., and those minor league teams need the revenue from the tickets and the concessions to live. And it's hard to envision a scenario. I mean, just for 30 major league teams to play uh, again at home this year. But now you think 160 minor league cities spread in so many different states. It's just the mathematics are, you know, have to lead you to say it looks really tough logistically for that, for that to happen. The next minor league and major league baseball meeting is coming up on the 22nd. What are some of the issues on the docket out of the outside of the obvious things, which is will you play, but what else is uh, going to be talked about? Well, I think the big focus in this meeting, they're going to try to pick up the discussions that sort of got dropped on what the operating agreement from major league and minor league baseball would be starting uh, in 2021. Uh, you know, last winter, the proposal to, to, go from 160 down to basically 120 minor league teams got a lot of attention. And the rumors are that major league baseball is still very much in, you know, wanting to make that happen. It's not going to be a clear uh, situation where every team in the short season leagues are going to get cut. Some of them will survive and there'll be some juggling around. But the point is they want, they want to cut 20 teams. And the rumors are minor league baseball. The rumor is that they said, Hey, you know, we'd like to wait another year. Yeah, give us, give us, let's get through this coronavirus thing, and then we'll figure it out. And Major League Baseball is saying no. In fact, you know, we want to take greater control over, uh, you know, minor league operations. We don't, we don't want to delay. It's not just the games. It's not just the teams. More and more and more are suffering through the coronavirus. Iconic bat maker Louisville Slugger closed its factory, furloughed the majority of its workforce because of the virus. Louisville Slugger has been making bats since the late 1800s. Its relationship with Major League Baseball goes back to 1905. The furloughed employees are still receiving benefits, and those that have not been furloughed are taking a pay cut of at least 25%. Japan's baseball season openers will not take place in May due to the corona pandemic, with no firm date set for the start. Reps of the 12 teams also decided on Friday to scrap interleague play, the removal of 18 interleague games from each team's calendar, and that would make for a 125-game regular season. Now, Jim Edmonds, he announced on his Instagram he is now symptom-free and, quote, doing really well after testing positive for pneumonia and COVID-19, the coronavirus spreading across the globe. What was that experience like? We're going to find out. Jim Edmonds, Cardinals Hall of Famer, is next. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. I wish it was under different circumstances. I was visiting with my broadcast partner, who I miss dearly, the Cardinals center fielder and Hall of Fame center fielder, Jim Edmonds, who's had uh, quite a few weeks, to say the least. Uh, Jimmy, always great to visit with you and hear your voice. How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, we're staying healthy. We're we're staying bunkered down, just like everybody else. I'm sure you're probably doing the same. Um, I can't say much for the healthy part, but, <laughs> but I don't know. Do you call it hunkered or bunkered down? Which one is it? I think either one applies in these times. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't left the house a whole lot. Um, my um, leaving the house has been consisting of uh, driving my daughter to the grocery store and waiting out in front. I understand, and that's what a lot of people are doing. And I, I've had so many people reach out to me um, wondering about your health because it is public news and, and knowledge that you had contracted the coronavirus and also had pneumonia. So how you doing health-wise? I'm doing good. Um, I've, I've been given a clean bill of health. Um, I haven't had a test again, but I'm feeling good. And uh, I still have like a little dry cough as if you had a little bit of a, like a chest cold or a little bit of allergy. But other than that, um, the pneumonia has cleared up. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I was told by the doctors that I've been quarantined now for long enough. I think we just uh, were counting the days um, yesterday. It's been almost four and a half weeks since we've been stuck at home since uh, we came back from Nashville. So uh, I was at home with uh, um, my daughter and our nanny and uh, the girlfriend. And we've been sitting here for a couple of weeks doing nothing. And it sounds like you may have a dog, too. Is that a dog in the background? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Hang on one second. Let me see. Maybe he wants to attack somebody in the front yard. <laughs> so when you when you figured out that something wasn't right with you health-wise, you, you keep yourself in great condition. Try to explain to the, the just the, the audience that's listening what you were going through and, and you know physically what it was like. You know, it's really funny because um, so we had three um, confirmed viruses in my house. And every one of us had different symptoms. Um, my daughter had a fever for three or four days. Uh, it was, didn't really spike too high, but it got up there. Um, our nanny had um, just a cold, but she just went and gotten checked. And she had like the typical cold. And then I kind of didn't have a whole lot of symptoms, but just like a little bit of a kind of cold and a little bit run down. But I just couldn't breathe. And I literally, for three straight nights, had to sit up on the couch in order to get through the night. Um, one night, I think I slept about an hour. One night I slept about five hours, thanks to all the NyQuil and drugs that you could possibly take over the counter. Uh, and then one night I didn't sleep at all until like 6.30 in the morning. And that's the day I woke up and I was gasping for air. So I just said, you know what, enough is enough. I am going to go to the emergency room with the advice of um, our doctor, our Cardinals doctor, Dr. Mahaffey, and I literally, for once in my life, thought, you know what? Not everyone is, um, you know, immune to getting sick. And um, I'd never get sick. And I was worried. I don't know if I was really worried for my life, but I got a little scared and nervous. So I went and got checked out. Um, pneumonia and my oxygen level was down in the 90s, low, low 90s. And I guess below 93 is dangerous. And I kind of talked them into letting me go home and um, I told them that if I felt bad again, I would come back and get monitored every, you know, every half of a day or day that they said I could just go get my oxygen levels um, checked. And so I kind of got a little bit better each day. And I think finally when I got tested, I was at the very end of the uh, the sickness. But uh, it was scary for a little bit. I bet. What, what was the test like? I, it seems from some people, the original test, which is changing rapidly. But the one I think that you went through is the swab that goes up the nose and maybe feels yeah, like that, it goes in your brain, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that was really fun. Um, they explained that to me. And I don't know. You know me pretty well. I don't like needles and I don't like um, stuff like that. And so I don't even take like, um, what is it? Naprin and anything like that for allergies. I, and so when he told me I was going to have this swab stuck halfway up my nose, I got a little nervous, but, uh, they did a great job. It was quick. Um, it was easy. 
And, uh, you know, it's funny because when you're in the emergency room and they mean business, they get right after it. And I got my uh, pneumonia um, diagnosed instantly and my blood test and levels they brought back within 30 minutes. And I'll tell you what, the people at Mercy Hospital did a great job here in town. And um, I got my test back the next day. Wow. And they said, wow. you know, you're 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 positive and you need to be careful. And they were really worried more about my blood levels. I guess that's the oxygen measure to what's really getting in your body. And so um, and it's really funny. I started getting better every day after that. So I think I caught the tail end of it and uh, got lucky. What'd you do after that? What how, did you quarantine for 14 days, obviously, and, and just try to stay away from everybody? Yeah, you know, we did the stay at home thing right away. So we were already quarantined for a week. Um, like I said, um, I had some people already in the house with me. And uh, one, uh, my girlfriend, Courtney, she was sick already. And we never got her tested. But I think that that with the fact that my daughter had traveled uh, from California, uh, we were just in Florida, maybe two or three weeks before that. Um, so we already started kind of the quarantine. And then yeah, I we quarantined for 14 days. I think it's been 20 days now. Um, or maybe not quite 20, but, uh, you know, Dr. Mahaffey said with everything we know and with, with what's going on, uh, you know, certain amount of days and no symptoms, I think you're pretty good. So I still haven't done anything and gone anywhere other than maybe the, you know, drop people off at the grocery store, but been going on walks and I'm starting to work out again. Um, I know you saw my Instagram, me being trying to be in Hercules again, but oh, yeah, uh, no, I, uh, today I just got done working out again for like the second day in a row, which is, I haven't done that in probably two weeks. So I feel a lot better. I still have that cough. Like I said, and I can still tell there's a chest issue, but uh, everything else is great. How many people reached out to you because you are very public with this, um, fans, Sorry. friends. Yeah. I don't worry. Just cover your mouth. It's all good. I hope you don't get it through the phone. <laughs> I think I'm safe. Um, but how many people reached out to you, you know, former players or, obviously the Cardinals fans, those kind of things on social media or, or otherwise? You know what? A lot. I was surprised. I, I didn't really, you know, you don't really understand the power of social media and I'm not on social media for any other thing, but for fun. But when I, when I did this test and when I realized that even me, um, which I think I'm in decent shape can end up with pneumonia. And I figured there was a lot of people at home saying, Oh, I'm not going to get this and blah, blah, blah. I thought that I had a chance to really, um, bring it to the forefront, even though I don't have a couple million followers and I'm not that, you know, crazy on Instagram, but I just thought it would hit home for some people like, Hey, if I can get it, go get checked. Like if you have issues, go get it. And, you know, I had some people saying you're wasting a bed at the emergency room and you shouldn't be just jumping in the hospital because, and I don't think people really knew that, you know, I was scared of my life, scared for my life with pneumonia and I couldn't breathe. So, so many people reached out to me. Um, I got text messages, man. I got a text message from, um, from Lee Arthur. I got Is a text right? from Lee Smith. Yeah. I got a text from Lee Smith. I even got a phone call from Mike Shannon. So just people all over the board and obviously all my close friends and, and you of course were monitoring my every move. Yes. Um, but, uh, I, I was shocked a lot of Instagram. I couldn't even keep up with the text messages and the Instagram messages. It took me like a week to get back to everyone. So, that was really cool. And that's, I, and I didn't do it for that reason. I could care less about, you know, people reaching out to me and you know me, I'm the one that like on Christmas when everyone starts texting you, Oh, Merry Christmas. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to respond to all these people. But, <laughs> um, that's just not my gig. And, um, if you really know me that well, you know how just mild mannered I am and 
kind of low key. So um, yeah, it was kind of uncomfortable at first, but I really, really appreciate everyone kind of thinking of me. I was shocked. Have people reached out to you in the medical community to have you donate plasma now that you've been through it? And you're, that, you're yeah. Are, are you thinking about sorry. doing that? That's the new thing. I, we're learning about that right now in our house. Um, my daughter and I talked about it. Um, you know, uh, my girlfriend and I have been doing some research on it. And I've actually had people on Instagram reach out because of obviously my social media following is in this city. Some people from Mercy Hospital, friends of friends have reached out and said, you should check into this. And I'm actually interested. I am um, just got done working out. I'm sitting down on my computer. And as soon as we get done talking, I'm going to see uh, what I can do to check that out. In terms of, of baseball, uh, what's your appetite how, to get back in and start calling some games and see the guys back? And, and what do you think the player, from a player's perspective, what do you think their appetite is to, to try to get back out there and play? Man, I'm broke. I want to work. I want to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, uh, I, you know what? I miss it. I, you know what? And it's not even me, and it's not even you. And I know we like to work and have fun and be together and and, and – we're been so caught up in, in that boys club for so long. Um, I feel bad for everyone. I feel bad for people stuck at home and no sports to watch. And I feel, I, I think it's more the fans. I mean, I think the players can survive. I know that it's their job and they want to get out there. Um, I can com- kind of compare it to strike of 94. I was in the middle of it. I was a rookie. Uh, it was hard, man. We had, uh, thank God we had a group of guys like Mark Langston and Chuck Finley and, and guys like that, that were veterans that were actually offering us money if we needed it as a loan or against our, you know, whatever our uh, licensing money or even against our salaries or even just to have just to keep us as a unit. Um, and that was pretty special. And, the, and, and I just feel like when you're in it, you're in disbelief. And I think it doesn't hit the players as hard as it hits the fans. And, and I think the whole world, I mean, this is just a weird, how many people have texted me and this is just a weird time. And I'm like, kind of funny because it is, but you know, for me and you, I think like we're, we're basically retired anyways. I mean, you work your tail off, but like when we're not working, we're sitting at home with our kids and it's just a weird thing. It's made me really slow down and, and kind of redesign my life. And, um, I don't know, I guess get to get to, uh, I kind of really focus on my house. I, you know, I built this house by myself and designed it by myself and now I get to clean it by myself. So that's, uh, <laughs> it's been a hell of a treat. I, I bet I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. I know you're busy, even though we can't go anywhere, but you're busy with a lot of different things. Um, what's your advice to people that, that are listening to this and follow you, they love you and they see that, uh, you've gone through a really tough time with, with the illness. What, what's your advice just to the general public about this? Man, I've had a tough time with everything lately. Um, from personal life to the illness to busting my face on the on the uh, on the, the shower door, um, you know, just hang in there. I really I, I feel bad for the people that are really out of work. I'm hoping that people are filling out reports and in the stimulus forms and and doing everything they can and checking with their tax people. And there's all kinds of people have been coming up to me saying that we, you and I, people like us, could even get money. So I know that if we could get money, those people could get money. And I just you know, I'm getting so many messages about the stock market and, and just home life. And I just say, keep your head up and, and hold on tight to your family and really just keep trying to make the best out of it. And let's hope that, you know, the country can stay smart and hopefully Mr. Trump can kind of, you know, I'm on the, I don't know. I'd like to ask you a question for once. Oh, yeah. What do you, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think? Like, I'm kind of like want the country to get going again, but I also know that there's so many people that, don't really pay attention to like 
let's say like the, the 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 mainstream like the main goal would be if you're sick stay home if you're not sick and you you're clear then maybe you can go to work or be smart about it or this and that like what's your thing about starting the country over again right now well How quickly we should do it yeah i i think um and i just can talk about the baseball side of it because i'm not educated and i don't think anybody's educated enough unless you're dr fauci or some of the the great leaders that we have to to know exactly when i think it's the great unknown but you know, if we start baseball again, my, my whole point of that would be, even if it's without crowds, which by all intents and purposes, it would have to be that way, is that everybody's safe. You know, we, we have to make sure that people are safe before we start up. Um, and the precautions are, are taken to make sure that the players are safe, the support staff is safe, those that are part of the biosphere or whatever they're going to do in Arizona or Florida, everybody's safe. And you can't put sports ahead of the general public. You know, if the testing is available for everybody and we can use it for sports to get it going, by all means, I, I think we do it. Because I don't know if you feel this way, Jimmy, but I, people need a diversion right now. And sports gives you a diversion. You mentioned the fans earlier. It's important that the fans have something to look forward to. And I think that's something that you have to consider when opening up the various parts of the country. I'm not sure you agree, but that's, that's where I stand. Yeah, I do agree with you, but I think the funny thing for me is if you would have asked me that question, I think sports would have been the last thing out of my mind, and I know that you live and die and breathe sports, and, and you're doing your podcast with sports. It's just so funny. It's like I'm old. I'm just curious to see when these poor people can get back to work. And, Absolutely. And, and, like, you know, like I, I know I spoke – I speak – I get a lot of messages from, like, waitresses and waiters and stuff, and, like, they're not getting any money, and they're not getting their tips. And I just – that's the kind of people, like, gosh, like, can you imagine being 21, 22 – you know, and living on your own, maybe have moved into a new city and have no one to fall back on. You can't fly. You can't. And a lot of my daughter's friends are quarantined by themselves in apartments. And one of the girls is a flight attendant. And she's stuck in Dallas by herself. And just like the whole thing. I mean, it's just it just strikes me as so crazy. And I just am curious what other people think about that, because I, I, I'm waiting to see what they're going to do as far as are they going to open up the country? Are they going to who's going to be the first to go back to work? You know, are they going to be able to do it with um, social distancing and and how how is that even possible so i don't know i think it's interesting and it's scary at the same time it's interesting too the role that sports plays in in our society i mean it is it, it, we we have figured out more than ever whether you're a sports fan or not if you if you don't like sports it's fine but it's part of americana and oh yeah and that's you know that is reinforced to me at least I've always thought it was important for people. I think it's a great outlet. I, when I talk about my job, I always say I think that when Jimmy and I are doing a game, you know, it's a couple guys that are, are very close and enjoy being around each other and enjoy baseball, and hopefully that translates to you enjoying it at home. So it gives you a diversion from your everyday life. And so that's that's what I think the role of sports, and in particular baseball, can play if and when uh, sports comes back because there's only so many replays you can watch. There's only so many top tens and things of that nature. You know, I can't I, even turn the TV on right now because I feel like I've seen everything two or three times. I know I've seen myself. I saw myself the other day in a 1994 uh, replay of the Cal Ripken game. My family was like, "What the heck?" Well, you had a good mullet going too. I saw it too. I was watching, but you know what I mean. It, it's a we sports. We play a role in that, and and a diversion for people, and that's something that can't be overlooked. And that's why, even if you have sports without fans, it's a it's a night without an outcome of something that you're watching from 2000 or 
you know, 1968 or whatever. It's it's yep. something that's a diversion, and I think that's very important as the American psyche maybe needs that too. It almost reminds me a little bit of um, 2000 and, uh, or uh, 9-11, sorry. What was that, 2001? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it reminds me of that. I mean, I'm driving around. Like, I went for a drive the other day just to get out of the house and kind of drove out, you know, out west into the country, and it's just eerie. It's just like no one's out and around, and, you know, you see people working on their farms and stuff, but then you drive by a little area with a strip mall, and there's nothing, and it's just like it reminds me of 9-11 all over again, and that's why I'm, you know, always wondering what's the true answer to get it going again, and I love, like, what you said, even if it's sports without um fans at least maybe some you know people can watch at home and and give them something to smile about but gosh who really knows how how do you think a player would feel about playing in front of no no fans when they've been playing in front of especially in st louis you got 30 to forty thousand there every night doesn't matter when what do you think that would be like and what do you think a player thinks about that what would you think Uh, about that it would be weird i I really do I, i would have a trouble with it um unless you could get for me i'd have trouble with it unless because you fed off the said, crowd. You were a guy that fed off the energy of a crowd. No question. Yeah, but I mean, I would have trouble with it because I feel like unless the fans said, please play so we can watch on TV, I feel like it would almost be a little selfish uh, for sports because sure. we all know it's money-driven, TV-driven, and all that. But it, it would be weird. It would be like spring training. And for some guys, it would be hard to get it going. And I know that you're playing to win, but you also do feed off the crowd. And man, for me, it'd be so much fun to get out there in front of 30, 40, 50,000 people. Every time I went out there, um, it would be really weird and eerie if you went out there and played in a big stadium. I think if they're going to do that, almost open up like they're playing in spring training games and, and just keep it, you know, open. And um, I, I don't know. I've, I've had some talks with some people and I feel like in, in the organizations that are out there, they stand to lose hundreds of millions of dollars this year, even if they don't pay the players. And that is just, you know, another for every, I'm not just talking about sports or like the Cardinals. I'm talking about in general, you know, each, each organization, football, hockey, baseball, basketball, that's a lot of money and a lot of revenue. And man, I don't know. I, I'm so torn. It's just so hard to think about what could happen if that ever got to that point. I couldn't agree more. Number one is you're you're feeling good, you're healthy, you're feeling better, you're back on the mend, you're working out, and uh, before too long, my friend, we'll, we'll be back together doing some baseball, and I know everybody would love to see that. So thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome, and I am doing well. We're healthy here at the house now, and I'm trying to figure out who my real friends are because I'm asking all my friends if they <laughs> want to get together for a drink if they want me to come over to their house. So I'll, <laughs> I'll see who my true friends are. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks, Jimmy. Love you, buddy. More of the Cardinals talk you know and love. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. One of my favorite people in this business and favorite writers to read and follow daily is Mark Saxon of The Athletic, and he covers Cardinals baseball day in and day out. Mark, I appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Danny. It's good to hear your voice. How are how are things in your household? Well, we're making it. Things are okay. We're, we're, we're getting through it all, just like everybody else. How about you guys? Yeah, same thing. We're we're kind of up in each other's hair a little bit at times, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're surviving. I have I have a couple uh, kind of middle school age boys, and we're trying to keep them busy, which isn't easy. But 
you know, we're spending a lot of time together and I, I think we should all be thankful for that. Right. I, I totally agree. And that's been one of the blessings I think coming out of this is being able to work in the business that we work in, which is uh, a business that would take us away for, you know, six months, maybe seven months. And now it's, I can't remember the last time I was at a springtime, uh, you know, just, just hanging out with my kids, hanging out, having dinner, doing things like that. So I guess if you're trying to find a silver lining, that would be one of the things. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. And it's true for, I think people in baseball as well, managers, coaches, players. Um, on the other hand, I think for all of us, you know, there's also the sense of we want to do our thing. Right. And so we'd love to see games being played and, we just have to, at the moment, it's in the hands of health experts. And we, as much as we want to throw out all of our theories about when they might resume spring training and eventually games, we don't really know because we need to listen to people who have sort of advanced degrees that, you know, you and I didn't stay in school long enough to obtain. No, and that's why we're in this business. <laughs> I, by the way, we're talking right now. I, I never knew I would be this good at Monopoly. I, I've really taken some great strides from my early days of Monopoly playing to now. I just want to throw that out there. I probably okay. could beat you. Okay. No, no, no. I think we're going to need to arrange something then. So when, <laughs> like, we, you and I can get you know within six feet of each other, and we'll have to just go at it. Maybe you know we'll invite a couple other members of the traveling party. And, <laughs> you know, I, maybe get a case of beer and see what happens. I am in. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> Let, let's let's talk about you know some of these scenarios. What what's been your and I think you're exactly right. We're at the behest of of our uh, medical community as to when and if we can congregate and crowds and games being played without crowds, whatever the case may be. But what what's been your initial reaction when you hear that maybe they could be uh, having a bubble in Arizona to play or maybe splitting it up in Arizona and Florida in some of the crazy scenarios that have been out there. What, what's your reaction as a guy that's been in this business a long time and around Major League Baseball? What, what did you think when you heard that? Well, I think, but you know, among those two plans, I think <clears throat> if you confine it to sort of the Cardinals perspective, there'd probably be a pretty strong um, preference for the Florida and Arizona um, arrangement, I think just so many guys, you know, have places either live full time or have places near Jupiter, Florida, right? Where, where the Cardinal spring training is. And so I just think there's a familiarity there. Um, you, I think you could play enough games in Florida, but it sounds like the one that's gaining momentum at sort of at, at the upper, uh, levels of major league baseball. And even with some of the health experts is, is the, everybody in one place, um, scenario, just one bubble. In other words, it just seems like they think it's easier to control. So I would think that the Arizona one right, right now maybe has a little more momentum than the other, but here, here's my thing, uh, Danny. And I, I just think what's going to happen. And I, I read something about this today from, I think a, a, one of the high up people at the national Institute of health. And that is what if there's an outbreak even a smaller one let's say in june or let's say in may some of these places are going to start going back to work and you could see you know another outbreak and that potentially shuts it down and even pushes it back further so i think that's the thing to keep an eye on it's not that we can't kind of get it under control but can we get it under control permanently so i really think that's the thing that would scramble all these plans and you know maybe risk missing a season but if they play i, I do think there's a chance it would be in Arizona, which on so many levels would just be deeply, deeply weird. Yeah, it really would. It's but these are odd times, right? So you, you kind of right. do what you got to do. Um, what do you think the appetite is from 
the players. And and when I say that, I, I think maybe younger guys that are, are trying to get that bite at the apple, there's a great appetite. I'm not sure you're going to get that appetite from those that have made generational type money. I could be wrong, but what do you think the appetite generally is from the, from the player's perspective? Oh, I think you're a hundred percent right. Because if you are a young guy who hasn't made your money yet, then this is an absolutely crucial time for you. It's, it's, it's all about that service time, right? And so that's where you're going to see the real squabbles. I think if we see some between the players and the owners is on how to determine what will happen with service time this year. Because everything's based on that. This game is just about staying in the major leagues long enough to make that kind of life-changing money. I mean, it's about a lot of things. It's also about the passion for the game. And these guys genuinely do have that. And they're incredibly competitive people. But, you know, if you look at it just from, like, their family's perspective, it's about getting that service time. So they're going to have to work that out. Um, but I do just just kind of in, in, in having some interactions with players and just seeing what they're saying online – I think these guys are dying to get back out there. I, I really do. Um, whether they're, you know, at the at the Yadier Molina stage of their career, or whether they're, they're at the Dylan Carlson stage of their career, they they want to show. That's what they do. I mean, that's what they do. They're the best in the world at it, and they want to perform it. So, I, I think they would all go along with the plan, as crazy as it is, as hard as it is for guys to be away from their families for all that time. I do think, you know, the Players Association would be able to get them to do that. Um, and I and I think for the most part, they would, even if it was, you know, difficult for them, they would kind of keep their mouth shut about it and do it because it could be good for the country to watch baseball games again. I mean, I know, heck, I would I would love it right about now instead of watching games from 40 years ago, right? Absolutely. I, I love David Freeze, believe me, but there's only so many times I can see the home run. Um <laughs> But, and I you're mean, the guy who uh, called it. Oh no, I didn't. Brilliantly, get, I might. Add. No, I didn't call it. That was Joe. <laughs> okay, but I so. did call plenty of David's home runs. But uh, I to the to the greater point, I'm with you. I'm I'm ready to see some baseball, and I, I'd be for it. I I understand that it would be odd without having fans. I think we all can agree that if this thing goes forward, it's going to be without fans in the stands. But to the the bigger picture of just having a diversion, and baseball has been there, specifically baseball, has been there through the ups and downs of a lot of our our country's history, and it seems like it gets kicked, and yet we have baseball, the World Wars, Vietnam, 9-11, the coronavirus, and we live now in an odd time, and if this is the way we have to present the game, I'm all for it. I'm not sure you are, but at least I am. I, I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, I am for it. Um, you know, again, I, I think it could be part of our sort of national healing. And, it, and I'm old enough. I was I was covering the game and, and after 9/11, and Me I too. remember that. Yeah, yeah, that that week was awfully strange. And getting back on a plane a week later was incredibly strange. Sure was. Um, you know, so we we have been through a lot, and the game has done that. I mean, you know, you know, Ted Williams missed three years of his career fighting in two different wars. Um, so the game does go on, and and it's part of our fabric as Americans, and I think, I think getting it going again, I do, I do, I don't in, in any way kind of minimize the importance of that. I agree with you. In terms of the players that you've talked to, what are they doing to try to, you know, stay in somewhat uh, ready shape? Because if we get this thing going, it'll be a short spring training, and they're going to try to fit as many games as they can in. What, what are you hearing from some of the players that you talk to? Well, I think the guys, you know, do have enough are able to get their workouts in. 
the guys, you know, I know that, you know, Paul DeYoung is working very hard. I've, I've had some conversations with some other people. I, I do think it's, it's going to be hard for, for the pitchers, especially guys who live in cold weather kind of climates where it hasn't really gotten into full spring yet to just kind of get to the point where they're doing their normal offseason throwing because they all have, you know, catch partners, right? And they're not getting together with those guys. You know, it's not necessarily going to be your younger brother or your son who you can play catch with if you're a guy who throws 95 miles an hour, right? So there's going to be some challenges, especially for the pitchers, which is why you don't want to abbreviate spring training too much. I think if that happens, I do think we're going to see a lot of kind of raggedy pitching early in the season. We're going to see a lot of four-inning outings from starters. It's just going to be a kind of a a rough start to the season. So I think spring training at a minimum will be three weeks, and that's entirely for the pitchers. The hitters could easily do it in two weeks. But I do think they're going to need to extend it just to – they're going to have to build everybody back up again, and that takes some time to get to 100 pitches. It begs the question then what rosters would look like. Do you think that that teams would have 30, 35, maybe even just carry a 40-man roster into a season? Because it's not only pitchers. Let's just say you're in Arizona and it's 110 degrees and you're not getting days (laughs) off and you're playing doubleheaders. I mean – that's going to wear some guys out. So I'm, I'm really curious about the roster construction of what baseball would look like uh, if and when we come back. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you brought up one of the great kind of hurdles to playing a season in Arizona in the summer. I mean, I just yeah. think of – I've been in those stadiums in late March where it's almost unplayable. Yes. I cannot imagine June and July if you had to play a day game because – you know, for whatever reason, I, maybe they wouldn't, maybe all the games would be at six, but it's pretty darn hot till it's six. The sun doesn't go down. Remember till at that time of year, till seven thirty or eight, eight thirty. So it's, it's, it's tough to think about that, but yeah, I, I think you would have to expand the rosters to some extent, um, which is again, is going to lead to that sort of raggediness of the game because we're going to be seeing so many pitching changes, et cetera. But again, I, these are my minor complaints. And by the end of the season, these guys will be ready. And I also, I would kind of dismiss this notion of, well, if they only play 100 games, it's going to have an asterisk after it if you win I the agree. World Series. Yeah. Nobody's going to give a bleep about that in 10 years or even the minute it happens. You know how much joy that's going to bring somebody? The Braves fans aren't apologizing for the 1995 World Series, and neither is any other team that's been in a strange season. So I think we can put that one to rest. I totally agree. You, you, you mentioned Dylan Carlson. What do, you, what do you think the Cardinals would do with a guy like Carlson as it pertains to service time, shortened season, or expanded rosters? It's an interesting case, I think, when you think about a guy like Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I mean, I think it was clear that he was sort of angling for AAA to start the season, right? That that you know, you could kind of just read playing time, what was happening in spring training. I, I think the writing was on the wall about that. Now, will it change? My suspicion is probably not. I just think the preference is um, to give the older outfielders first crack at it because those guys are very much at make or break parts of their career. Tyler O'Neill has a lot of tools. I mean, I think they want to see what he can do with, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks of uninterrupted at-bats. You know, what does that look like? And so if that's the case, Dylan Carlson would start at AAA, but who really cares? I mean, if this guy is as good as we all, you know, probably think he is, he's going to make a deep, deep impact on this organization and be one of the major building blocks. And I think, you know, whether they manipulate the service time or whatever their reasoning is, I think 
he has plenty of time to impact this season if he comes up two, three weeks into the season. So for me, I think people get a little bit locked in on the opening day roster, and especially with a player whose trajectory is that that good potentially. I, I just think that's a mistake. I think just enjoy it when it gets here, and why not bring him up when he's feeling good and, and hitting AAA pitching really well again and feeling good about himself? That seems to make some sense to me. So Mark Saxon is a baseball writer. There's no baseball going on. And The Athletic has done a great job covering this story from all angles. So what are some of the stories that you're working on and trying to make sure you, you know, you're informing the public and, and trying to keep it as interesting as you can? Yeah, so I mean, if anytime there's news, I try to be all over it. There hasn't been a whole lot of news, especially with this team. Um, so we have a Slack channel at The Athletic. Slack, I guess for people who don't know, is kind of like texting, but it's sort of within the company, and there's all these different channels. For a guy like me who's 50 years old, it's hard to keep track of. But anyway, one of the <laughs> channels <laughs> is called Let's Get Weird. And some of the ideas that have come out of that, one of them was let's support our local businesses. Let's show that we care about our communities. So one of the things we did was calling a bunch of Cardinals people and asking them the the restaurant that means the most to them and and why it means the most. So that's an example of that. Um, We did the best Cardinal player ever to wear every uniform number from double zero up to 99. And I know you know who 99 was. Yes, sir. And it wasn't Wayne Gretzky. It was so Gucci. No. no, and he, he didn't have a lot of competition. So yes. he was a slam dunk in that spot. The nice thing now, and we are a subscription-based service, the nice thing now is there's a 90-day free trial. So if people are kind of curious but want to just dip their toe in the water, see what it's all about, they can do that and read all these stories and decide if they want to pay for it beyond that. I think it's about six or seven bucks a month. So that'll, you know, that most people who kind of, read some stuff, end up liking it and subscribing. But either way, you can take a free free uh, pass at it right now and decide if it's your cup of tea. So my final question at The Athletic, what are you working on right now? Give me a story you want to dive into. Well, we're actually working on a fan survey right now. I just really want to see kind of what fans are. We're, we're thinking about this Cardinals team going into the season. I think you'll see today our Blues one will launch. I just kind of worked one up. That's going to launch at some point, maybe later today, maybe early on uh, Wednesday morning. And then Friday, we'll release the results of that fan survey um, and just see where people's heads are in terms of where they think the season's going, what, how they were feeling about the Cardinals going into the season. Um, some other fun little things about team MVPs and whether they'll win a Cy Young in the next five years. So we're kind of trying to engage a little bit, see what people are interested in, and then kind of build our our coverage from there. So that's kind of the next thing. And then just some of these funny, let's get weird projects are just <laughs> kind of lined up next several weeks. And then who knows, Danny Mac, one of these days, you and I will see each other in a press box somewhere on the dugout bench and we'll be uh, writing about real baseball again. Yeah. We'll be sick of each other at some point again. I, uh, <laughs> I look forward to those days, believe me, uh, Mark. And I mean that sincerely as a joke. I love you. I miss you. I want to see you. I want to see you guys covering baseball. So I know you feel the same way too. And I want to hear your uh, your dulcet tones of, uh, <laughs> over the airways. I love it, man. It's 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 really good to catch up with you. You too. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate all your work. Okay, Danny. We are right back to it. More Cardinals talk right now. This is the Redbird Report with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. 
Brought to you by Jim Butler Kia. Redbird Report rolls on. Hope you have enjoyed the visits with Mark Saxon, Jim Edmonds, also hearing from some of the folks around the game, whether it be a player or media, concerning uh, what may happen in the future. We'll wrap up the show with this. The Fast Lane had a really interesting interview recently with Cardinals second baseman Colton Wong, who is here in St. Louis and hopes to be playing baseball very soon. Oh, man, you know, I'm doing good. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, yeah, just, you know, just trying to stay staying positive, you know, attitudes, I guess. You know, obviously we all kind of want to be playing baseball. We all want to be outside, but uh, trying to do what I can to stay ready. I think that's a great place to start, Colton, is the positive attitude in general because that's something just uh, getting the opportunity uh, opportunity to be around you the last couple of years. You exude that, man. You got that positive energy on the field. You have it off the field. And people right now, they're, they're pent up at home. They're, they're frustrated. They're tired. A lot of people are, are worried about jobs and stuff like that. Keep that positive attitude, man. That's a big thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed in my situation to have the job that I have, uh, you know, and to do what I do. So, you know, when you're kind of blessed that way, you, t- you tend to be a little happy. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think at this, you know, this time, it's just always being thankful to have family, you know, being loved by one another and having people that really care about you. You know, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, just trying to be around the family that I love right now and, and trying to, you know, soak that in. And with the last few years, over the last few years, you have firmly established yourself in the lineup with your position uh, on the field as well for the Cardinals. And as you go into a, a spring training, after being in an LCS, everybody's looking ahead to see how you can how you can top that. To, to have yeah. everything happen the way it happened in spring training, where you know you first start to hear murmurs of, well, maybe uh, there's there's not going to be. Uh, uh, spring's not going to last all the way through. They might have to cut it short, or maybe the season gets cut short. As you started to hear stuff like that trickle out over the last, you know, six, seven, eight weeks, what were you thinking? Um, trying to not think about that too much. Obviously, you know, you want you don't want to be just blindsided, so you kind of keep tabs on what's going on. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where you're trying to get ready for a season. You know, the the, the biggest thing at this point was. You know, locking myself in for the season and getting ready. You know, doing what I needed to do to take care of, of that. And um, yeah, so you know, really wasn't too locked in on that. But you know, crazy man, this is just like some crazy times for everybody. Um, trying to understand what to do. You know, it's just I've been talking with a lot of younger guys too on the team, and just you know, trying to make sure they're okay because you know, right now we're all just kind of lost. You know, no one really has any answers for us, and no one's giving us any answers. You know, so we're all just trying to stay, you know, ready and and you know. <laughs> Hopefully, hoping for our phone call to kind of go off. Colton, where are you right now? Where did you uh, land after everything was called off on that Thursday in Jupiter? Yeah, I'm actually in St. Louis. I was in Jupiter for a little while, but then decided that, you know, I have my house in St. Louis. I have things that I need or everything that I need in St. Louis. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'm back here right now. Hey, what, what kind of uh, baseball stuff are you doing to stay ready? I, I watched a video a couple of weeks back. It was Joey Gallo hitting in his uh, high-rise apartment in his dining room, I think it was. I was watching uh, your, your former teammate, Joe Kelly, work on his changeup in his backyard in what looked to be Arizona and threw it through his window. So <laughs> what, what are you doing to stay ready baseball-wise? Yeah, um, you know, just a little thing. Obviously, I, I have my tee, I have my net up, uh, things like that. But a while ago, I bought this little – uh, you know, it's almost like one of those little golf uh, wiffle balls. Mm-hmm. It's a machine. It's like a pitching machine. And I've been using that. I've been kind of hitting it inside with that, um, you know, because with, with those soft um, wiffle ball golf balls, 
they're not really going to break anything. You know, you can kind of hit them off of things, and, and they're okay. So my wife gave me the okay to go and, and swing away in the house. So I have a little bat and that I, I use, and then uh, I'll set up on a tripod and lower it down and take some ground balls and just doing little things, you know, trying to be creative. That's the biggest thing in this situation. You know, I think everyone's trying to figure out, you know, obviously, we, you know, when stuff like this isn't happening, we're able to do what we want, you know, go to our gyms, go to our training facilities. But right now it's, you know, it's kind of just, you know, on each other. So just, you know, I try to spread some things that I'm, I'm, I'm learning, things that I'm figuring out. And then, uh, you know, using that as the social media to get that out because that's all kids want to do. And, you know, especially us, we're just trying to figure out ways to keep ourselves baseball ready. And that's the challenge because you can't do it the way you've done it for years. So you got to figure out a, a way to stay in shape and to stay ready, knowing that there could be a time here in the next several weeks there is baseball again, and we're all hopeful of it. Colton, if it happens Absolutely. the way they're talking about, where maybe you're just playing in Florida or just playing in Arizona, divisions are mixed up, you're not playing in front of fans, what do you think yeah. of, of those proposals? Um, you know what, for me, as long as it's getting televised, I'm okay with, you know, I just want the fans to be able to realize like we want to be out there playing for them. You know, we, we want to be playing baseball again. We love playing baseball. And, you know, when we were kids growing up playing this game, man, we never had fans anyway. So, you know, it's just kind of going back to the old school ways of getting back to it. And, you know, I think people might be kind of you know shocked when you see us back out there. I, I know a lot of guys are going to be playing a lot harder, uh, you know, just having a lot more fun knowing that, you know, like this in an instant, you know, base, baseball can be taken away. You know, we've heard from a handful of players around the game that, you know, some of them are all on board with whatever they want to do. Some people really aren't that interested in, in having to be sequestered in a hotel away from family and, and do that for several months. Do you think most players, and, and you know, throw your obviously you, you can speak for yourself, and I know you can't speak for everybody, but do you think that most people would be on board with being away from home for that long? Yeah, you know, I understand where they're coming from with that. Like, obviously, we all have families, and we all, you know, at the end of the day, have to take care of our families. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, we all sign up for, for this. You know, we all choose to go down this path of, you know, being away from our families and, and playing this sport. And, you know, I think it's kind of something that, you know, it, it doesn't really change too much. You know, I think, obviously, you know, you being away from your family a lot longer is going to be, you know, a lot more of a sacrifice. But at the end of the day, we're still, you know, I guess – what I'm trying to say is the baseball life doesn't last that long. So, you know, even being away for this amount of time, you know, it's still giving you an opportunity to live your baseball career out for that much longer because we all know baseball comes and goes real quick. So, you know, for me, I'm, all, I'm on board for anything. You know, I just want to be playing again and be doing the thing that I love. Cardinal second baseman Colton Wong with us in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Colton, we know that you got on to Jupiter early with Paul DeYoung and you work together on fielding. If we put you on a field today, would you be fine? I'd be great. I'd be absolutely <laughs> fine. Come on now. <laughs> I don't question. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that, that doesn't right slack, now, right? Anybody, I'm ready. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey. I wanted to ask you about uh, Mike Schilt, Colton, because uh, I find myself every time I have a conversation with Mike, I, I uh, walk away from it like I feel like like he. I don't know if he does it on purpose, maybe just so I'm nice all the time. But like he, I feel like I walk away pumped up and I'm like God, he he like believes in me a little bit. What what is it about Mike Schilt that it? It just seems like everybody everybody believes in him and he believes in everybody. What is it about Mike that stands out to you? Yeah, man, I think the thing with Mike is he looks at you more than just a player. He looks at you as, as a person, you know, as, as a friend, as somebody who 
you know, he really cares about. I mean, you have a manager who doesn't just care about your stats, that cares more about you, know, you as a person. You tend to want to fight for that guy a little more, you know, and I think Mike's established that with, with the whole team. is like, you know, he, he's here for everybody. You know, good, the bad, the ugly, no matter how you're playing, he's still going to love you at the end of the day. And, um, you know, when you have a manager that really just loves you like that and wants, you know, the best for you no matter what, uh, you know, you tend to want to play with a little more of an edge or a little, little more excited. How much uh, conversation or, or, you know, how much interaction do you have with him now? Obviously, it's a lot more difficult to be face-to-face. You can't really do that. But as yeah. far as talking with him, does it happen much? Um, not too much. I mean, we still do our, you know, our, we have like, in, what is it called? Uh, Zoom and, you know, we, we FaceTime here and there and, and have our talks. But uh, for the most part, I think everyone's just really trying to get a grasp of what's going on. You know, we're all still kind of trying to figure out our, our game plans, you know, for what, what makes the most sense. But yeah, you know, he, Mike's been doing a good job of just trying to keep in touch with us. I mean, we have team texts you know, and, and all those Zoom calls and whatnot. So we're, we're staying in touch with each other. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to get some answers now. Hey, Wonger, as we were going through spring training, we were putting together our lineups, and we had Colton Wong, all of us did, have Colton Wong as the leadoff hitter. In your conversations with Mike, did you feel pretty comfortable about, A, where you were in the lineup, and, B, uh, that you were a guy that could do that for 150 games? I know you've always wanted to do that. Yeah, um, actually, we never had a conversation about it. <laughs> you know, it just kind of uh, organically happened, I'd say. Um, you know, one day I kind of showed up for spring training. I thought I was leading off, and, um, you know, it just kind of went on from there. Uh, I didn't I didn't put it in Mike's ear to do it. You know, I think he just kind of went with it, and uh, I started working in spring training, so I think we're, we just kind of rolled with it. What's the biggest thing you've done over the course of the last three or four years to become a really good leadoff hitter? Um, understanding that, you know, I don't need to do it all by myself, you know, getting that understanding, like, okay, you know, like for me, you know, I'd rather put myself in situations and give my team the best chance to win. You know, for instance, like I know that if somebody like when I was hitting second and Dex got on, like I was trying to figure out any way possible to get Dex over his scoring position for the guys behind me, you know? So leading off, I'm doing that same mentality. You know, if it's, if it's a quick inning by my pitcher, I can be aggressive. If it's a long inning, like I'm going to understand like, okay, like, you know, I'm going to work this guy. Or just understanding what do I need to do to put the guys behind me in the best situation. You know, if it's a nasty pitcher, I want to try and go up there and battle my first A.B. You know, not really be aggressive out of that, but, you know, fight and battle and make this guy work so my guys can see behind me what what's uh, what this guy's bringing. So just having that, you know, mentality has really allowed me to understand the player that I am. Colton, I loved it last year, specifically in the second half, when defenses would shift you over and you'd see the third baseman playing like in the 5-6 hole. Uh, Danny mm-hmm. Mack and I, we'd be sitting in the booth, well, here comes the double down the, the left field line because you're just going to slap it that way and do something. You, <laughs> you have grown so much as a hitter. Was there like a mechanical fix for you? I know you just talked about the mental approach. Was there a mechanical change that you made? Yeah, you know, just understanding on how to get on plane. You know, me being a smaller guy, it's a lot easier for me to get my bat on plane, you know, and stay on plane as long as possible. And I started learning, like, you know, I'm a pretty compact little guy that I can keep my hands pretty tight, you know. So if I get on the plane and guys start coming in on me, I know that I keep my hands inside of most baseballs. And, and you know, if I do that, I'm allowing my barrel to, to hit these balls. You know, even if it's the left side, I'm still giving my chances an opportunity to succeed. And then, you know, with that, I started understanding, okay, like I can hit – the ball, you know, this deep with a different angle and it's a line drive, you know, and I started just understanding, okay, there's different ways of hitting, you know, obviously I want to drive the ball to the park sometimes, but for the most part, like, unless that falls into my lap, I'm going to take what I can. 
you know, because we are in the middle of an, a global pandemic and it's something we have never uh, had to go through in our lifetimes, because this happened now, uh, everybody's forgotten about the Houston Astros, except for me. I'm trying to keep <laughs> it alive. So uh, what do you think of those cheaters? <laughs> what a question. <laughs> hey, man, so, at the end of the day, you know, how I, how I say is, you know, we all got to lay in our own bed. We all got to go to sleep at night, you know. I know that I can go to sleep at night every single night knowing that I would ne- I never choose this game. You know, I might not have had the most success, man, but I've always played the game the right way. I played it hard, and I did what I, you know, needed to do that was right. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, I know that I can go to bed, and I know I can, you know, walk around my head raised high because I know I've been doing things the right way my whole life. And, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, you know, those guys, they still got to look in the mirror every day. They still got to, you know, be satisfied with what they did. And, uh, you know, so for me to bash them and continue to do that, you know, I think that inner demon will kind of eat at them more than anything that I can say. You could, call them cheaters. What, yeah. Could you imagine, though, Colton, <laughs> and I think everybody, every hitter feels this way, if you knew what was coming, I mean, for example, I, I don't know if you saw the stat in the World Series, uh, Kershaw threw them 55 curveballs and sliders, and they didn't swing at a single one of them. Yeah. Well, we know Clayton Kershaw kind of struggles in the playoffs regardless, so that's not a good example. Get him. Get him. Hey, hey, that Matt Adams home run. Poor guy didn't do anything wrong. Is that the highest he's ever jumped? (laughs) Dude, that's the highest we all jumped, I think, man. When he hit that home run off Kershaw in that situation, you could mean. You couldn't keep anybody down. We were all jumping everywhere. I didn't even know what happened, what I was doing in that situation. It was fantastic. <laughs> hey, uh, I wanted to ask you about your cornhole game because I believe Jed Jerko called you out. And I, I don't think that Jerko, watching his videos, I'm not sure Jed has done anything but play cornhole since he has been home, man. What, what is going on with this cornhole challenge here? Yeah, man. Jed kind of came up with this whole cornhole challenge because I saw on Instagram he was doing these trick shots. And uh, I started laughing because I was like, look at this guy, man. We were all trying to, like, work out, like, do different things. And here's Jed over there throwing – cornhole bag so i comment i'm like you don't want none of this smoke jed <laughs> and uh you know he, he contacted me right away and he was like hey we need to do a game <laughs> and if you guys know jed jed's really good at cornhole and i'm not that good so this is gonna be funny i've been practicing the past couple of days i was like you know what i can't go on this and make a fool of myself so i gotta make sure i can at least hold my own a little bit but jed's pretty good you know those trick shots he's doing probably didn't take him that many tries Dude, he, he did the behind-the-back, no-look, and chugged an entire beer. Like, that that was a good shot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Jed, though. Jed will chug, chug a beer and then go hit a homer. <laughs> you know, that's, that's who Jed Jerko is. And that's, are, are you nervous? Uh, a little bit, man, honestly. I just got to make sure. I got to tell Jed, like, keep down on the drinking. I feel like the more drinking he's going to do, the better he's going to get. So I need to make sure he, he keeps that down a little bit. And that's you talk about pressure. It's Instagram Live, so it's worldwide tomorrow night. And oh man, yeah. So everybody will have the chance to see it tomorrow. Well, on now Instagram. he's nervous. Yeah, everyone get a chance to see me. Hopefully, I don't make a fool out of myself. I gotta go do some arm care. You know, work on my techniques. And I've been watching some YouTube, trying to get some feel on the right techniques. But man, this is tough. Tell you what, when you flip a ball to Paul Dion, at least he can turn it himself. Like trying to flip ball into a hole. And, you know, be accurate. That's a little. That's a little hard. 
Hey, but you do have experience, all right? I, I know that you do this every year with Jason Mott. You team up with the Mott Foundation, the Cornhole Challenge. I believe this year is in August at, at the Beer Garden. So, I mean, you, you've had some prep before. It might not be like playing second base, winning gold gloves, you know, <laughs> potentially hitting leadoff. Yeah. But you've been here, done that. No, yeah, I've been I've been fortunate to be a part of that or, that organization for a while now and doing that cornhole event. So, yeah, you know, I've, I've definitely had my, my fair share of practice, but, man, I got to really put up if I'm hosting a cornhole event in St. Louis. I got to make sure I can at least hold my own. Well, so just, what do you, you know, what are you repping the city? That's right. I'm, so, I'm sorry? You're, you're, you're repping the city, so you have to, you got to uh, represent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm going to rep the city with the K-Cancer shirt. You know, I got to kind of stick to where this whole cornhole event kind of rooted from just continue to show support but i'll be wearing the uh, cardinal red for sure love it hey wonger what did you say to your wife to allow, get her to allow you to uh, hit balls in the house <laughs> i was like honey i need one more contract so i need a hit right now <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's not something that everybody can use i was i was what one something that i could use <laughs> yeah i was like honey if i want to retire i need one more contract so i need a sling right now sorry <laughs> I'll load the machine. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't take that much convincing. That's awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. No, no, my wife's really good, man. I married, I married an athlete, so she understands the whole, like, child, you know, we all have inside us and just doing things that we weren't supposed to do. So she's okay with it as long as, you know, I clean up the mess and try not to break too much stuff. Where did you guys meet? College. College. She's actually born and raised in – she was born in Hawaii and – uh Went back to Ohio for high school where her family's from, but always wanted to go back to college. So I actually met her at University of Hawaii in college, and we've been together ever since. When you've got downtime now, uh, you're not hitting baseballs in the house. Uh, you're not working on your game. Are you doing anything, uh, and, and the cornhole, obviously. Are you yeah. watching Netflix or anything? <laughs> do, you, do you have anything else that's occupying your time? Uh, man, honestly, I get a chance to organize my house now. That's pretty cool. Like, you know, finally getting a chance. Like, before, it was kind of just I threw everything inside the house. You know, it was all good. But now understanding where everything is, like, ha- everything has a place. Like, that's part of, like, growing up and being adult people. Like, I'm finally, like, taking that next step. So give me a pat on the back. Hey, But, uh, yeah, you know, just doing that, man, and uh, just being able to kind of help out because, you know, people don't realize, like, the wives are put in that situation, you know, when we start the season. They got to do that all by themselves. So, you know, it's kind of nice for her to have me around. Even though I don't do much, you know, I do a little bit more than – it takes a little stress off her. Great stuff from the guys on the fast lane. This has been the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. We do it every Monday night here on 101. Again, I join Bernie Miklas every Monday. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers on Wednesday. The fast lane on Fridays. Thanks for being with us on 101 ESPN. That was the Danny Mac Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Jim Butler, the Kia powerhouse. Shop JimButlerKia.com.